This is Motley Fool Money. G'day, fools, and welcome to another Motley Fool Stock of the Week, our premiere YouTube series, a premiere YouTube series, one of the two. It is the series where we share with you one of our recommended stocks, one of our buy recommendations, and we do it not only on YouTube, but through our Motley Fool Money podcast as well. That's right. We are in living colour on the YouTubes, but we're also in your earbuds if you're listening to this on the Motley Fool Money podcast feed. Now, I'm pretty excited this week. We have an interesting company that I'm going to say I don't know as much about as I would like. And so luckily, I have my fellow Motley Fool analyst, portfolio manager, smart bloke, nice guy, investor extraordinaire, Ryan Newman. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Scott. How are you, mate? I build you up, mate. It better be good is all I'm saying. I'm very well, thank you, pal. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I've built me up, that's for sure. <laughs> I know, I know. Let's tell the people what stock we're talking about and then tell me a bit about the company itself, what it does, uh, some attributes of the business, why, yeah, not, not so much why we like it, we'll save that bit, but give me a, give me a, a cook's tour of the business itself. Yeah, sure. So the, the company that we're talking about today is called Marley Spoon and it trades on the ASX with the ticket code MMM. And this oh, is actually okay. interesting. So someone has recently pointed this out to me and I didn't pick up on this when I was recommending it. But if you uh, sound that out, it's mmm. Oh, there you go. That's really reflective of what the company does. So, uh, <laughs> I'm too old, mate. I, I look at that and go Triple M, the radio network, which frankly, we're part of the listener network on our podcast. So I'm kind of happy with that as well. But I, yeah, I like you, mate, <laughs> I had to have it pointed yeah. out to me. As the cool kids say, I was today years old when I found out that's what the pod, the, uh, the ASX code was supposed to mean. There you go. I like it. Look, whether or not that was deliberate, who knows, but it works. <laughs> and the reason it works it. is because Marley Spoon is a cook-at-home meal kit delivery business. So what it does yeah. is it provides pre-portioned, high-quality ingredients straight to your doorstep. So if you think about it, uh, I guess in terms of the supermarket, you actually go to the supermarket, you pick out all the foods, mm. you know, you think about what, what, uh, what ingredients you need for a dinner. Marley Spoon takes care of all of that. And I'll get back, I'll get into how it works in a moment, but just a little background onto the business. So it was founded in Germany in 2014. Uh, it listed on the ASX as well, I believe in 2018. And it's a, it's a subscription-based service. And I think that's sort of a little bit strange, or it, it probably is a little bit strange for a lot of investors who generally think of subscription-based businesses in terms of technology. Uh, that's not the case for this business. It's a subscription to food. Uh, and, and it's 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 quite an appealing uh, service that they run as well, which we'll get into. So basically, what the company does is it operates under two major brands: Marley Spoon and also Dinnerly. Dinnerly is the company's budget option, so a slightly cheaper alternative. And it provides these uh, meal packages to two hundred and seventy-two thousand customers around the world. Okay. Now, in terms of how it works, so chefs at Marley Spoon design, uh, they, they basically design menus, uh, you know, a couple of dozen a week. They've, they've probably got, a, a, I guess, a, an arsenal of 2,000 2, or so menu options that they can roll out to their customers. Uh, each week, though, they select about 36 of those recipes or, or those, those menu items uh, to present to, to consumers. At that point, they present those options to the consumers. The customer selects uh, how many meals they want, so between two and five for the week. They select the portion sizes, so anywhere between uh, two-person box or four-person box, and also uh, various uh, menu alterations, whether that be vegetarian or uh, or uh, lactose intolerant, 
um, you know, very various alterations that you can make. Yeah, right. When you put in those orders, and when when you know the entire customer base puts in those orders, Marley Spoon then sources those ingredients directly. So it has a preference for direct sourcing, predominantly from farms or from the producer of it, as opposed to from a, a local supermarket. So it is quite mm-hmm. fresh, uh, fresh food. It's also a very diverse supplier base. They do make sure that they uh, they spread that supply risk and uh, and do get it from a, a range of different sources. From those suppliers, it then goes to Marley Spoon's various distribution centres around the world. It's got seven, uh, three in Australia. Or I think it's actually soon to increase to four. It may, may already have increased to four. Uh, the US has three distribution centres and also one in Europe. Uh, and that's located in Netherlands, and it basically acts as a distribution center for uh, I think about six or seven different countries in Europe. So wow, okay. it's quite a, a scalable operation over there. From these distribution centers, they receive deliveries from various suppliers. Uh, they prepare the meal kits themselves. Uh, and they've got you know various facilities, cool rooms to help keep the uh, the meat, yeah, you know, the meat fresh, the veggies fresh. And also then distribute it to the consumers on their preferred day. So you might select uh, my preferred days to receive it on a Tuesday, uh, so on. And from there, you enjoy. So the <laughs> meals that uh, Marley Spoon provides are generally generally six to seven step recipes. So it's quite easy, uh, prepared in under 30 minutes. So it's really sold as a convenient option for consumers. Um and the company also really likes to push that, you know, that that experience, the cultural experience that that its services allow its, its consumers to have. So, um, you know, by saving you time from going to the supermarket, that's part of the family experience. You know, you can actually sit down and enjoy a meal with your family. Uh, it's also targeted at, you know, would be uh, would be cooks. I'm not a I'm not a cook myself. I, I burn toast. So I don't know how I do with Molly Spoon. But look, I, I reckon I'd be happy to give it a go. So uh, it's got it's got to be easier than preparing a meal from scratch. Mate, you reckon you burn toast? I reckon you burn water, right? You, know, when you, you and I are the culinary kings. Maybe we should be asking other people about this particular one, or maybe not because we are probably exactly the target market, right? I've, I've had, a, I've had a, a decent background in the food industry. Before I joined The Motley Fool, I worked for a whole lot of food companies and, and Woolworths. Uh, so I've kind of been on that journey to some degree. And I won't say how many years ago because it'll date me too badly, but the supermarkets have been trying to capture this home meal replacement category, they used to call it. And the idea was... You know, the idea, not so much deliver from home, and, and things have moved on since then. Again, that was a long time ago. But the idea that, you know, you'd, you'd grab something at a, at a, a you know, a, a supermarket or a small store near your train station or your transit stop to take home and cook. And that was kind of the idea. On the other hand, I work for food companies where they know that the guilt, particularly for mums, and without being um, gender specific about it, is it tends to be mums because that's just the, the cultural world we live in who feel guilty if they get something out of a can or a packet. But if they make something... They feel like they're prepared, they've, they've prepared for the family. And again, they might be outdated stereotypes, but they're still true for many, many people across the country. It kind of feels like these guys, and they're not alone, by the way, I'm sure we'll talk about competitors in a minute, but they're not alone in having the same idea that if you can help people do what they want to do, but in a simple, easy, healthy way, you kind of, you do kind of crack that nut if you get it right. You do find a way to, to be that solution. People are saying, well, I don't want to do nothing but I don't have the time or interest or, frankly, ability like you and I to do everything. But if you make it easy for me, nutritious, guilt-free, then I can I can find a space in, in that market. It sounds like that's the, the kind of trend they're trying to capitalize on, those and their competitors, of course. Yeah, and look, I guess a, a good way to think about this company is it really operates, uh, I guess, at the intersection of takeaway, so restaurants and uh, supermarkets. So, yeah, right, you know, right, the... Right. the 
the the takeaway option, the the uh, the restaurant option, it really offers that convenience. You know, I'll cook it for you. Whereas the supermarket means, you know, you go and select all your ingredients and then take it home and cook it yourself. So Marley Spoon really operates in the center of that. You know, it recognizes that there is convenience, but it's also a cheaper and arguably a healthier option as well. You know, when you're actually cooking it, you see what you're making, you see what's actually going into your food. Um, So it really operates in that segment. Yeah, I like it, mate. Let's move towards what we like about the company. Maybe if this is a one-step or a two-step move as we do it. But I guess I'm curious about, I mean, there's there's plenty of other competitors out there. It feels like one of these kind of hot categories, buy now, pay later, and then there's ride sharing, and then there's kind of meal delivery, which is more the Uber Eats deliveries, and then there's meal replacement. I'm thinking HelloFresh, Marley Spoon. I can't think of any others, but I'm sure there's others out there. It's, it's one of those categories that feels like it's new and exciting, maybe big, maybe not, maybe plenty of players, maybe maybe winner takes all. At the scale of trying to get something like this, as you say, you talk about the warehouses, the food preparation, to some degree, I'm hearing you talking and thinking, as a consumer, that sounds great. Part of me is thinking, oh, man, as a business, I've got to get the stock in, make sure my, my suppliers actually deliver so I can, I can give my customers the food. I've got to prepare it, package it, deliver it. It's got to be fresh, a lot of cost and waste in that. Part of me is thinking, I'm impressed that these guys have actually taken on such a, a big, big undertaking to be this solution provider because, and again, Europe, you're talking about Europe, mate, delivering a six or seven country to the Netherlands with fresh food, that's a remarkable challenge. It almost feels like a more a logistics company than a, that, you know, than, a, than a food business. So kind of wrap that up for me. Give, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm highlighting the risks. Maybe I'm, I'm just impressed with the business. I'm not even sure where I'm going with this. As you're saying it, I'm, I'm learning, as I said earlier. Why do we like Marley Spoon, the business? What is it that we kind of looked at or you've looked at and gone, for all of everything it does, the risks, the challenges, the competitors, the opportunities, the market size, how do you wrap that up and say, and here's why we like Marley Spoon? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think probably the Sorry, simplest mate, yeah. way to put it, yeah, yeah, look, which which question do you want to ask, Scott? Yeah, they, all, all of them, please, if, and, and quickly. All, all of the above, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Look, I, I, think, I think the best way to think about this is, it really, uh, I guess it's benefit. It sits in a position to benefit from three major trends. I think is probably the best way to think about this. One of those trends is the shift to online shopping and e-commerce. Now we know from our experience that various industries are making this this shift. Uh, so you know we we know Amazon, Kogan, Temple, and Webster, for example, are all benefiting from that shift towards online. Um, where, where it stands, though, groceries haven't made that shift to the same extent yet. Uh, so Marley Spoon estimates that anywhere between 3 and 4% of the uh, the market is uh, or the, the food demand is online. Uh, that's still quite low compared to other industries. Meal kits themselves are a very tiny sliver of that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's operating in a very small, a, a, a niche almost, but a, a rapidly growing one. And I really like that. So $7 trillion market opportunity is what the company estimates. And as you can imagine, as, 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 as it is big, yeah. As more, as more demand shifts online, then the, the demand for something like Marley Spoon can continue to grow. So yes, you mentioned that there are quite a few different operators in this, uh, in this segment. There's also more niche, uh, niche ones that, you know, Marley Spoon might be one that provides fresh food that you cook yourself. Whereas, you know, there's others like uh, My Muscle Chef, I think is another one, which basically does, you know, ready ready to eat meals. You just heat it up and it's more designed around, you know, bodybuilders or 
um, okay. you know, fit, fitness fitness junkies, basically. I mean, I pretend um, I don't know about that, Ryan, but obviously I, I, that's all I eat, as you, as you well know. I'm, I'm a <laughs> specimen of health and vitality. Um, but, yeah, as, no, I take your point. As, as you drink your Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Exactly. <laughs> so, look, I, that that's one of the major trends that uh, – that, um, that Marley Spoon stands to benefit from. Nice. Another one, as, as we just mentioned, is the healthy eating and the convenience side of things. So people are becoming more, I guess, aware and wary about what they are putting in their bodies. They want to make sure that they're eating healthy. Um, it is competitively priced as well. So we'll, uh, one of the things that I like about this business is that it does have the capacity to generate higher margin earnings uh, than what, than, than what a, a supermarket does. And we'll get to some we'll get to some of those reasons in a moment, um, but I, I think the main part with this health side health side of things is it's fresh meals. You're preparing it yourself, and it is convenient. You you know what's going into your body, you know what you're eating, and you have full control over that. The third intersection, uh, the, the third trend in this intersection, I think, is the waste reduction and the conscious consumption that uh, consumers are starting to have, and this I think is particularly targeted at the younger generations. And I, I apologize for this, Scott, because I've, I realized that in all oh, of my videos on. so far, I'm referring to the <laughs> younger generations as though you're not part of it. I, I, I had assumed you included me in it, right? Now I'm offended. I, I thought I was part of the young look, kids. Now apparently I'm not, you're telling me. Look, I, I know you recently <laughs> turned 30, so. <laughs> all right, you're back in the good books. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so look, in terms of this waste reduction, we know that climate change is a big a big issue yeah. uh, all over the world. It's something that we desperately need to deal with. Mm-hmm. The fact is that with the agriculture industry, the food industry, there is an, a massive amount of waste that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, so enormous emissions, enormous water waste. And it's estimated that between 30 and 40% of the entire food chain is wasted every year. Wow. Now, various reasons for that. One of the reasons, uh, and this could account for, say, 10%, I, I think that was the estimate, about 10%, is from wastage within the supermarkets. Now, various reasons for that, but uh, some of those reasons include excess stock, low demand, and even things like uh, poor cosmetics. So if you've, ever, if you've ever been shopping at Woolies and looked at a capsicum and thought that looks like a really you know, odd-shaped capsicum, I'll get this one. Chances are everyone else is thinking the same thing, and they're not yeah, going to yeah, take yeah. that capsicum. Yep. It's an enormous sense. It's an enormous source of food waste. Uh, what what this company can do is actually put those sort of uh, ingredients to use. You know, by the time it's chopped up and prepared, no one's going to know any different. Ah, so it does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It does reduce the waste there. Yeah. Um, it's probably cheaper, other- right? I imagine you've got to get cheaper if, if Woolies and Coles don't want it. Marsman's probably picking it up cheaper, which makes their business also more profitable. Yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, they are getting it from predominantly from, you know, direct sourced. So yeah. there probably is some sort of element there too, uh, nice. but, you know, probably not selecting it themselves. The Probably another big thing, though, for Marley Spoon is it operates a source-to-order model versus uh, what we would consider a source-to-stock model in supermarkets. And what that means is, so we mentioned before that the consumer puts in their order, they tell Marley Spoon what they want for the week. From there, Marley Spoon goes out and orders the ingredients that they need. So we're looking at probably a 1% excess there, and that, that excess is generally donated to a charity or fed into compost and basically returned to the earth. Hmm. If you look at the supermarket alternative where it's sourced to stock, the supermarkets themselves are incentivized to put as much on their shelves as they can hold. And if it's not purchased, then it's gone. 
You know, it goes to waste. So that's where that, you know, potentially 10% excess comes into it. That just goes to waste. So uh, Marley Spoon really tries to, I guess, sell itself on this more consumer-friendly and also environmentally-friendly uh, alternative. And it is a carbon-neutral business, which I think is really important. And a lot of a lot of consumers and users are actually starting to really focus on that sort of um, qualitative data points. You know, they want to know that the companies that they're investing in and the companies that they're purchasing from in the first place are looking after the earth and looking after their customers and and effectively all stakeholders. And and that is exactly what uh, Marley Spoon's doing. A couple more trends that I'll, I'll, uh, I think deserve a mention um, as to why I, I particularly like Marley Spoon. So an enormous reach from those seven uh, distribution centres. It estimates that it has a reach to 190 million households. That is a lot of households. That's now, a few, yeah. as I... I said before, it's it's got about 270,000 active customers, so it's obviously nowhere near that capacity just at this point. But the fact that it has the distribution cap- capacity to do that or that the reach to do that, I think is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Rapid growth as well. This business started in 2014. It's already up to about 254 uh, million euros. To put that in context, it's uh, $410 million thereabouts in Australian dollar terms over seven years. That's that's rapid growth. Mm-hmm. Um an enormous total addressable market, as I said before. It's also got very ambitious targets, which they are ambitious, but 1 billion euros it's targeting by 2025 and uh, 5 billion euros by 2020, uh, 2030, rather, in wow, revenue. Okay. So some pretty high targets, but, um, I mean, based on their, their growth to date, I think it's doable. Mm. Um, I also really like that it's scalable. So we mentioned before that... Uh, I suppose the distribution centers that it has, it has seven. It it has the reach of 190 million uh, households. Mm. But what it can do with those, I mean, it's not customer facing, right? So what it can actually do with those uh, distribution centers is higher automation. Um, as it does build demand, it can get better procurement terms from its suppliers, uh, better better deals with its logistics providers as well, and also uh, improved waste reduction, and also improving retention among those customers. Now, as it gets more data from more customer inputs, uh, it can provide better better meals, more personalized options. And, and I think that trend is really starting to play out. So in the second quarter of the 2021 financial year, 70% of revenue came from customers who had ordered uh, six times, and that was up 5%. Now, the, custom, the, the data that this company has presented is that if a customer reaches box six, so they've made six orders, the likelihood of them buying another box is more than ninety four percent. So it's really oh, about habit. Impressive. It's really about habit building, and also, yeah, yeah. I guess you know, as a customer stays on for longer, they, mm-hmm. the retention the retention curve starts to flatten out. So they might lose quite a few along the way. You know, maybe people who just try it out from a voucher. You know, they don't like it or they uh, it doesn't suit their lifestyle, so they lose them. But then, as they build a habit, then that can really start to uh, to, to build a train for them. Really cool, mate. That's a that's a very compelling big uh, bull case. Can I say it's an interesting business? I think you mentioned. I'm going to quickly draw a line through that. Five billion by 2030 in euros. I say that's about a twenty fold increase in revenue. Is that they're targeting? If I remember, you said two hundred and fifty odd million euros. So that's about forty fold. I think that's about is a that forty right? fold increase. Yeah, there you go. Even worse, or even better. Sorry, uh, my math is even worse. The uh, I mean that you I know thought, maybe I, I, they I can't could be wrong. There. I don't have a calculator, but. <laughs> 
No, no, all good, all good. Even if they, uh, you know, to the extent they get even close to that, even if they get half of that right, that's still somewhere between a 10 and 20-fold, depending on which one of us is right with our maths, uh, gained from here. And you assume, as you said, if that scales profit-wise even more, there should be even more profit growth to come. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. It's a pretty impressive potential story. I say potential, which nicely segues me into the risk section. See what I did there? Nice. Uh, nice. Magic, magic, magic. They, the viewers and <laughs> listeners won't even notice it's that good. Um, well practiced. Oh, yeah. To, <laughs> seamless. <laughs> Mate, um, tell, me, tell me why, not, not so much why I wouldn't invest, but as you're thinking about a recommendation of Marley Spoon, which we have recommended to our members, as I said, what are the risks that you're looking out for that the, the investment might be going off the rails? Yeah, so look, one of the main ones, you mentioned it before, there are other competitors out there. So Marley Spoon isn't the only one that's recognised um, this segment, the, the potential of this segment. There's others like uh, HelloFresh, which is um, it, it's its closest competitor. There's various other niche providers as well. I mentioned before My Muscle Chef. Um, and, and I imagine as well that those niche providers will continue to expand as, mm. you know, personalisation uh really kicks in and I guess the needs of, of humans continues to grow. So, for instance, vegetarian, uh, vegan. Right. Um, gluten-free. All lacto- lactose intolerant, gluten-free. Yep. So there, there's plenty of alternatives out there. And I think one of uh, Marley Spoon's, I guess it's challenges, is that it needs mm. to keep up with that. So it really needs to be able to provide options to that broad that, that broad need, to, to, fill, to fulfil those broad needs rather. <laughs> It also doesn't have locking locking contracts with customers, and I think that's a I think that's a strength in terms of customer acquisition. So yeah. if I know that there's no twelve month locking contract, then I'm far more inclined to actually go out there and say, "Yeah, I'll give it a try." I think if it did have a locking contract, then it would be more difficult. At the same time, though, if I don't enjoy that, I could just take advantage of a voucher, you know, get a, a really cheap cheap week worth of meals, and then cancel the service. Hmm. So that is that is a, a risk. I, I think as well, though, if you're looking at the, this from competitor point of uh, from a competitor point of view, if they're offering similar terms, then people can sort of rotate between the different the different services yeah, and the different yeah. providers. I, I, I don't think that's ideal for a company like Marley Spoon, but at the same time, I do think it does offer potential for it to acquire customers from someone like uh, HelloFresh. Mm. You know, people who are looking for a, for a different uh, a different set of meals or a different approach. Mm. Um, and that works both ways, obviously. Marley Spoon customers could also move over to HelloFresh, et cetera. So it is a risk, but it is also an opportunity. Hmm. Um, now, Marley Spoon operates in the food segment. We know that that's a highly regulated segment and also one that uh, that people do hold very close to their hearts and to their families. Um, it's, a, it's a very important thing. Contamination is a big no-no. If, if there is contamination in any of uh, Marley Spoon's uh, meals, or, and and that doesn't even need to be fully in its control, right? Because yeah, the right. contamination could happen you know, at the supplier end and yeah. then it just yeah. distributes it. So even if it really is home, right, at some level, I mean, it, 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 you know, if, if yep. your greens yeah. aren't looked after, you could start blaming the food company when really, well, it's, you know, like anyone, it could, be, it could be you, but you can easily blame them because they sent me the food. Absolutely, yeah. So it's really important that this company stays on top of that to make sure that it's it's contracting with good suppliers that it trusts and I guess maintaining those relationships and also mm-hmm. uh, continues to invest in, you know, the technology that can actually keep that food safe at its dis- distribution centres as well as, you know, making sure that it's safe on the, the logistics side of things too. Um, supply chain, 
it's diversified, which is great, but not immune. Um, we saw earlier this year with uh, Texas, so there was some pretty extreme uh, weather conditions in Texas, which did force mm-hmm. the company to close its facilities, which meant that customers couldn't get their meals. Now, I think given the circumstances, most customers would be pretty, pretty. they'd have a fair bit of leeway and not blame Marley Spoon directly for that. They'd recognise the circumstances, but it does show that a company like Marley Spoon isn't immune to that. It does cause disruption. You know, if people can't get their meals, maybe they cancel. Uh, maybe they come back with, you know, less demand. So there, there is that. Uh, and also I think the high borrowing rate, rates, this was something that did, um, I guess, get the market a little bit antsy fairly recently. The, came, the company came out with an announcement that they basically got this $65 million credit facility and they were being charged 8.5% over the three-month LIBOR. Now, okay. what that means, I'll, I'll interpret that for, for all the listeners. <laughs> Thank you. Basically, LIBOR is the London Interbank Offered Rate. It is basically the rate at which banks, uh, major global banks, lend to one another. So it's a it's a pretty standard rate at which we would uh, we, which we would compare to. Mm-hmm. Saying that Marley Spoon is being charged eight point five percent over that rate, we're basically saying it's it's getting charged uh, roughly nine percent interest, ten percent interest, maybe. That's a pretty high rate of interest, and and I think something that did probably get some investors offside. It, it's not the only company that gets these sort of rates. You know, other higher risk or smaller smaller cap companies uh, do tend to get less favourable borrowing terms, uh, but it is a risk uh, as well. You know, and and mm-hmm. a high cost of capital, if you will. Very nice, mate. You've given us a really nice summary there too. It's, it's a fascinating industry. I'm I'm super excited of spending a bit of time with you talking about it because it's it's one I just didn't know about. I've, I got. Uh, the number of HelloFresh coupon cards I get in the mail with the product I buy is phenomenal. I could have built put, a put, put them to use, Scott. House put them to use. Yeah, exactly. I should. I should. I should. Well, no, this is HelloFresh, not Marley Spoon, mate. So I'd be going the other way. Oh know, yeah, no, that. no. Sorry, not HelloFresh. Put Marley Spoon. Yeah, yeah, no. So, but but obviously, you know, it's an industry going somewhere, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see these guys capitalize on on this sort of trend. And as you say, the, the benefit, I guess, too, if you can grow and, and get to some sort of size like that, the economies of scale in terms of, as you say, sourcing and pricing and that kind of stuff. It doesn't necessarily strike me as a winner takes all market like a a Facebook or or something like that. But on the same by the same token, if you can be the gorilla in the room, and if your supply costs and your procurement costs and distribution costs can be meaningfully lower than your competitors, it does kind of let itself. You've already mentioned scale, but that kind of gets reinforcing to some degree. If you've got to pay 10, 15, 20, 30 percent more for your competitors rather than Marley Spoon, even at that premium level, not necessarily trying to price discount, but it makes it a pretty attractive offer for, in theory, equivalent quality product, in theory, equivalent quality recipes, um, but potentially at a cheap price or, as you say, maybe more margin for, for shareholders. You know, and the, the other thing I, I think worth mentioning there as well, that the company did have a couple of headwinds during that second quarter, so the, the quarter right. just recently finished. And one of those headwinds was actually uh, cost inflation, so uh, the, the inflation oh, wow. on, on the input costs. Uh, yeah. As well as labor labor shortages, and I think that's largely related to the pandemic. So I think that's probably more a short term thing. Okay. But the the uh, the inflation the inflation on input costs, and I think what's interesting about this is that it does represent a short term. Or it, it, look, it absolutely represents a risk. But at the same time, if you compare it to supermarkets, so supermarkets are pass, passing on price increases in their food. Consumers are getting used to it. Mm. If that, I think that also gives 
someone like Marley Spoon the capacity to also increase their prices because supermarkets are doing it. So food is going up anyway. So Marley Spoon can also put the food, the, the price of their food up. So I think in that sense as well, yes, there are risks, but I think too, it can also provide an element of hedging, uh, he, uh, sorry, inflation hedging, um, which That's I think is a, an, another yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mate, let's wrap it up. Um, you've done a fantastic job of giving us a summary of, of the business, what you, why you like it, and the risks of investing in Marley Spoon. Give me the 60-second version, mate. For those who've skipped through to the end, just to find out from Ryan Newman why Marley Spoon is a stock they should add to their portfolio, what is the 60-second buy case, the elevator pitch, if you like, for Marley Spoon? All right. So, look, I think the, the big thing is here, it, it does find itself at the intersection of three major trends, uh, mm. and those are, those being e-commerce, healthy eating, waste reduction. These are really important things that I think a lot of people are starting to think more about. Uh, in terms of e-commerce, it, it provides more um, more convenience, in my mind, also personalization, personalization options, rather, that uh, supermarkets just don't have. The fast growth is is tremendous. So already uh, in Australian dollar equivalent from zero to more than four hundred dollar four hundred million dollar rather in seven years is sure. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, it obviously has the capacity as well to continue expanding. It's it's expanding in uh, Perth. So um, I don't believe it had a, a distri- distribution center over there just yet. So it's sort of expanding its reach in that regard. It can also continue to expand across the United States, uh, across Europe too. So there is the potential there for for faster growth. And I should also mention the potential to upsell. So right now it's really dinner options. It's also expanding into breakfast, lunch, uh, heat to eat, and also special occasions. So whether that be Thanksgiving or Christmas lunches, you name it. Um, and this, uh, all of that summarized, it, this really does create an enormous market for Marley Spoon to, to grow into. So yes, there is competition, but as you said, I don't think it's a winner takes all necessarily. Beautiful. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing some of Marley Spoon with us. Mate, remind me of what the ticket code is, just for the, my own amusement. Mmm. <laughs> That's <laughs> MMM. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, mate. Thanks for playing along. Fools, we hope you've enjoyed yet another Stock of the Week. As I mentioned earlier, this is both a YouTube series and part of our Motley for Money podcast feed. So if you're doing one and not the other, why not check the other one out? If you're on the podcast feed, there's heaps more on YouTube to check out, including, well, Seeing me on video is not necessarily great. Ryan is a better looking bloke than I am. So come and check that out on video or there are other videos we do publish. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Jump onto the Motley for Money podcast feed. If you want a little bit more from us, uh, we kind of dissect the news of the week. We also do some member, uh, some listener, sorry, Q&A uh, to check that out. If you are on the socials, you can follow us pretty much anywhere except TikTok, at least for now. Uh, my singing and dancing is not quite up to scratch, nor is the rest of the team. Just quietly, we're, as, as dancers and singers, we're fantastic analysts. But the rest of the socials you can grab. So if you're on Twitter, which is the best place to grab everybody, you can get Ryan. He's at TMF Numi, N-E-W-M-Y, TMF Numi. Uh, while we're with Twitter and Insta, if you're on both or either of those platforms, grab me at TMF Scott P. That's on both. Or The Motley Fool AU, again, on both Twitter and Insta. And if you're on Facebook, look us up, The Motley Fool Australia, or I'm Scott Phillips Money. Well, thanks again for spending a bit of time with us. I hope you've enjoyed finding out more about Marley Spoon. I certainly have. If you're not uh, either convinced to buy the stock or just a little bit hungry, you haven't been paying attention. Until next time, I've been Scott Phillips. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. 
Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.